Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. everyone grab your Bibles and this morning I want you to open up to Matthew 18 Matthew 18 and this is actually where we're going to sit today and I'll have a couple other passages on the screen for us this morning but Matthew 18 is where we're primarily going to be and we're continuing our series called like Christ and as we've been walking through this week by week, the series question that we've been asking is, if I'm seeking to become more like Jesus, then what am I seeking to become? If I'm seeking to become more like the person of Christ, then what am I seeking to become? And my prayer is that this has been a challenge and a, a, a point of equipping for you that uh, this has been a, a time, even in this season, where you've seen opportunities to model Christ, maybe in different ways or in more ways than you, you have in the past. And my prayer is that that wouldn't stop. We've just got a couple more weeks here in our series. And after that, uh, we should continue asking this question. We should continue asking, if I'm seeking to become more like Jesus, then what am I seeking to become? So commit that challenge to memory. Think about that critically, and let's, uh, let's commit to that together as the church. And as we, as we head into today, uh, I want to start with a couple just thought-provoking, kind of rhetorical questions. And the first one of those is, what comes to your mind when you think of forgiveness? When you think of forgiveness, what, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Is it, is it a time that you had to forgive? Most of us can even recognize maybe seasons from our childhood or not even always from our childhood, maybe even in adulthood, where we had to forgive someone or maybe it, it translates more to, I had to apologize or I just had to make things right. It, it, it brings about this almost discomfort, like I didn't really want to do that. But I had to, and I feel like I encounter this a lot right now with my young children who uh, you, you, you kind of have to walk them through that process and there's a yearning there for them to grasp and understand the depth of forgiveness, but sometimes it feels a little more like, oh, I guess I will because I have to. Or maybe when you think of forgiveness, you think about a time that you were forgiven. Maybe a time that you didn't deserve to be forgiven. Or maybe even it brings up hurts in your own life that have not yet been forgiven. And regardless of, of what that is, we can all kind of come to this similar place where we recognize that we, we've had rubs with forgiveness, good and bad, and it, it can easily taint or shape our perspective of what forgiveness is. But we want to specifically ask biblically how and why are we called to forgive and more importantly in thinking about the person of Jesus what does forgiveness look like and how do I practically live that out in my own life. And so as we jump into this there's one main idea that I want to encourage you if you get nothing else out of this today 
I want you to, to focus in on this. Write this down, grasp this, think about this, process this. And that main idea is remember your forgiveness and choose to forgive. Remember your forgiveness and choose to forgive. Now, in order to understand this better, we're going to look at Matthew 18, and specifically, we're going to start in verse 21, Matthew 18, verse 21, and this is in the, the, the season of Jesus' ministry, and Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, actually comes to him and asks him a question about forgiveness, one that I, I believe many of us could resonate with. And so in verse 21, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Often when I come to this text, I think, Peter must have thought that was a big number. And in verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, just to pause and consider this for a moment. A talent is a biblical unit worth 20 years wages for a laborer. 20 years wages... For one talent, and this man owed him 10,000 talents, an astronomical and seemingly impossible amount for this man to pay back. Verse 25, and since he could not pay his, ma- pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, stop for a moment and consider a denarius was a day's wage for a laborer. A day's wage in comparison to 20 years of wages. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. Verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay All his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Father, as we evaluate this and consider forgiveness, 
and the role that it should play in our life as followers of Christ. May you convict us, challenge us, and open our eyes to biblically what this should look like. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we look at this, I want to give you three specific focal points regarding forgiveness and to evaluate, even in the midst of this, some misunderstandings about what forgiveness is from a human perspective and to, to challenge you critically with this. But coming back to that focus, uh, that focus challenge, remember your forgiveness and choose to forgive. And so the first, the first point I want you to, to grasp in the midst of this is that our motive to forgive should stem from being forgiven. Our motive to forgive should stem from being forgiven. If we look at this text and we understand the, the narrative that Jesus is communicating, and understand here that Jesus is talking in a parable. And so it doesn't say for certain whether this is a, an actually true story, that this actually took place with a king and his servants, or if Jesus is simply using this as a teaching moment to answer Peter's question, with some more depth. Peter here is someone we can often relate to. How many times should I forgive my brother who, who sinned against me and I forgave him and he, he sinned against me again and I forgave him and he sinned against me again and by this point I'm thinking, when, when, when do I have a, a reason not to forgive him? And Jesus seems to redirect the focus here in the parable that's told away from the, the question of how many times should, does someone else deserve forgiveness to refocusing it back on ourselves to think, did I deserve the forgiveness that has been given to me in Christ? Have I deserved the forgiveness that's been shown to me by Jesus himself? And so here you have the story of the king who is owed... An, unimaginable amount of money from the servant and the servant pleads with him and the master says it's wiped out it's done and then in response to another servant a fellow servant the same servant that's been forgiven an unpayable amount throws his fellow servant in jail and refuses to forgive. And this brings about an angry response from the king. And understandably so, we read this story and we go, that's not right. And yet, in our own lives, if someone wrongs us, and maybe we're like Peter, and man, they have wronged me multiple times. And our first thought is, I'm tired of this. And I can't help but back up and think how often that could be said about our own relationship with Christ. That we're forgiven in Christ, that our debt has been paid for, it's gone, it's removed. And then we come to him and we say, how many times am I supposed to forgive my fellow brother or sister, my fellow community member? They've wronged me so much. And yet we don't stop to think how many times have I committed a wrong against Jesus himself? And yet, because I know my debt is completely gone, I don't take that into consideration. 
Now, a passage that kind of emphasizes this further is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you. Our motive to forgive should stem from being forgiven. Now, the second thing I want you to to notice here and understand is that forgiveness does not remove responsibility from the wrongdoer. Sometimes we get this idea of forgiveness that if I forgive them, it's as if nothing ever happened. But nowhere in this parable does Jesus identify that somehow these servants, because they were or weren't forgiven, weren't responsible for the debts that they had accumulated. In other words, in saying that forgiveness somehow removes the responsibility from this person's com- committed wrong doesn't, doesn't equate with a part of what is being communicated here. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus spoke in another set of teachings we often call the Sermon on the Mount. And it says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, in other words, you've done something to where your brother feels like they've, you've wronged them. If you remember that when you're coming to worship, leave your gift there before the altar and go, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. In other words, if you have wronged someone, It is not up to the person you've wronged to approach you. If you know you've wronged someone, you have a responsibility to make it right. And in fact, such a high responsibility that you should not even worship until it's reconciled. That's that's a serious, serious process to undergo to say, I'm not even going to offer my gift to the Lord until I'm reconciled with my brother. Now, for the person who may be struggling to forgive, there should be an encouragement and a hope in this that says, just because God has called us in Christ to forgive because we've been forgiven, doesn't somehow mean that it hurts any less. It doesn't somehow mean that they are off the cuff and and don't have to take responsibility for their part. But what it does mean is that as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to move towards forgiveness because we've been forgiven. Now, I want to draw out a couple of misunderstandings when it comes to forgiveness because this can easily become confusing and contorted and we we even hear some of these things in broader culture that just aren't true and they aren't biblical in nature either. And so the first one of those is that forgiveness does not equal forgetting. And I've heard this in numerous settings from various people that forgive and forget, forgive and forget. You should forgive and forget. That that statement is nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in Scripture are we called to forgive and then forget. And in fact, Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross in Luke 23, it says, And when they came to that place that is called the skull, There they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. 
I'm going to say that Jesus, in that moment that he chose to speak forgiveness, was not somehow forgetting the intense pain, torture, and crucifixion that he was being put through by these very people. Furthermore, forgiveness doesn't mean that somehow the wrong that's been committed against you is going to just go away. And so if you feel like you have to get to a place where you can forget what they ever did to you in order to forgive them, you need to reevaluate what God is calling you to in forgiveness and why he's calling you to that. Forgiveness does not equal forgetting. The second thing that is often a misunderstanding is forgiveness does not equal trust. Forgiveness does not equal trust. A good example of this, and probably the best one I've read thus far, is the example that if I invite someone or I ask someone to come babysit or watch my children, and in the process of them watching my kids, they physically harm one of my kids. Forgiveness does not mean that I'm going to invite them back to watch my children. That's trust. If you are in a broken marriage and your spouse has an affair, forgiveness does not mean that you should just trust this person 100% all over again. And if you're the one who committed the wrong, you should not expect to be trusted. That has been broken. But instead, forgiveness... I want you to challenge yourself to think about it this way. Forgiveness equals not seeing someone through the singular lens of their sin. Forgiveness equals not seeing someone through the singular lens of their sin. And so if we look at our parable and we consider the king who saw the servant, he could have chosen to only fixate on the debt that was owed for that servant. And in that case, no matter how much he pleaded, no matter how much he repented, no matter how much he sought to be forgiven for that, it wouldn't matter. Because his eyes were solely fixed on the sin of that servant. In the same way, the servant can't seem to see past this small debt that was owed from his fellow servant. He's seen his fellow servant with this singular lens of their sin. And this becomes the temptation. That when someone wrongs us, every time we see them, all we can think about is how they wronged us. Over and over and over again. And so there's a fine line between saying, I have to forget about it. Or rather, I need to choose to see them as an individual made in the image of God. Not through the singular lens of their sin. Now the third and final point that I want you to wrestle with that we see at the end of our parable and narrative is that lack of forgiveness brings about godly discipline. Lack of forgiveness brings about godly discipline. And scripture speaks that God disciplines the ones he loves. We recognize this in correlation with our children, but understand if we look specifically at the end of this parable, In verse 34, it said, In an anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you 
if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now you can choose to look at this multiple ways, but understand Jesus is speaking to a disciple here. And so the depth of this is that there's going to be godly discipline if we choose to live in unforgiveness. There's going to be hardship in the midst of that. There's going to be pain in the midst of that. There's going to be agony in the midst of that. And more importantly, there's going to be a tainting of the reality of the debt that we've been forgiven. In Luke 17, verses 3 and 4, it says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now church, I fully recognize that some of you listening to this have been hurt deeply by people who should have loved you And in no way do I want this to communicate that somehow this negates or nullifies or diminishes the pain that you've experienced by people you trusted. But understand at the same time, Scripture speaks that God is just and will bring about justice. God cares for those who are weak, who are burdened, who are vulnerable. And he's chosen to forgive you in Christ. And so as you process this today, I don't want you to push aside the hurts that you've experienced, but I want you to hear and be reminded of the forgiveness that you have in Christ. And maybe you haven't experienced that. Maybe you don't know that you have that forgiveness in Christ. And 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And some of you have experienced that forgiveness. You know what it's like to be released from the prison of your own sin. And if that's you today, I want to challenge you to think about that when you think about the person who's wronged you, when you think about the depth of what they've done to hurt you. I want you to think about the depth of what we have done to damage our own relationship with Christ. And yet forgiveness exists for the one who is in Jesus. And so today, church, I want to challenge you to consider the message in this parable as Jesus is answering this question to Peter. And then to stop and remember your forgiveness and choose to forgive. To choose to model Christ by forgiving the one who's wronged you. And then trusting God to use that to draw the person who hurt you to Jesus while at the same time drawing you closer to Him as well.
Remember your forgiveness and choose to forgive. Father, as we consider this challenge, as we consider the hurt that we've experienced, may we be a people who are devoted to modeling Christ above modeling our culture, above modeling our flesh. God, humble us today and help us recognize those that we have failed to forgive and have seen through the singular lens of their sin. Help us to see them as you have seen us, offering forgiveness and love. Lord, continue to make us more like your Son, we pray in His name.